Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. And I'm, I've um, been thinking recently, I, I guess it was like a week ago, two weeks ago, I started thinking about the encounters that men of God have experienced. And you, you look at all of them, they all, you look at the Apostle Paul, John, um, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, you know, they all had this an incredible encounter with God that was what birthed them into the, to the awareness of the realm of the Spirit and that they, they ministered from that throughout their life. It begins somewhere for all of us. And, you know, he, he, he wants to, um, you know, that, and that becomes, it's some, for some people they've had a, a touch from God and they allow that to, it to grow dim. But, you know, we, we, can, we, can, we can stir up that testimony. We, we can stir up our testimony and, and it, you, start, you tell your story, you tell your story about how God visited you and it becomes real to you again. And it's not only becomes real to you, it becomes real in the words that you're sharing. It becomes real. When you begin to share your testimony, the power of how Christ has met you in whatever way he's met you over the year, your testimony, you know, is not just how you got saved. My testimony began in 1973, but it's a 40-year-long testimony. It's a, te- it's a testimony of Christ meeting me hundreds of ways over these 40 years. And every time I retell any of that, it becomes, it's strengthened in me. And the person that's listening to it, if they have ears to hear, they recognize that I'm not just telling them something I learned in a book or something, but this is, this is reality. It touches the heart. Your testimony will touch someone's heart. So anyway, I want to I share a little bit today out of, um, we're going to start in 1 Samuel 16. I want to talk about David and his testimony. I, I'll be ministering tonight also, and we're going to have a Holy Ghost service. Hope you can come at 7 tonight. It's going to be awesome. But David, David, inter, what, a, what a powerful story, the story of, of David. Dave, you tell the story of David, and you're telling the story of the anointing. Everything about David was the anointing. He was a, a prototype of New Testament Christianity. He was a picture in the Old Testament of what the New Testament could and should look like, worshipers in this new and better covenant. He was a a glimpse into what you and I can experience today. You see, in the Old Testament, not everybody could experience the power of God. Only special called men or women, the prophets, the priests, and the kings, and they would be set apart, they'd be anointed with oil, and, and the Holy Ghost would come upon them and empower them for whatever task. Think of, you think of Samson, he was strong by the power of the Holy Ghost. When the anointing would come upon him, he'd be stronger than a hundred men. Supernatural power would come upon him. You think about it, there's all sorts of things. There's this one guy that, that was um, a messenger that Elijah sent out, and this guy took off the power of God came upon him, and he outran a horse. If you look at what it says, he outran this horse, and the, 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 the length of the run was longer than a marathon race. It was longer than 26 miles. And he outran a horse in 26 miles by the power of the anointing. The anointing can, the anointing can do things, will enable you to do things either physically, emotionally, or intellectually. The anointing will equip you to do things that, that you, you can't do. The anointing is powerful. It gives you an, an, an incredible unfair advantage in the world. 
in whatever area he's called you into. It's not, just a, it's not just something we can just do whatever we want with. It's to fulfill the purposes of God in our life. So anyway, here's, here's Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 13. Samuel the prophet had recognized that Saul had departed from the Lord and that the Lord was removing his anointing from King Saul. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm going to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king of Israel. I want you to go to, to Jesse's house. And he went to Jesse's house and he went through the, all the sons of Jesse. And he said, you know, I think he had seven sons. He said, none of these, these aren't them. It's, don't you have one other son or isn't there someone else? And he said, you all have my youngest. He's out watching sheep. And he said, well, get him, bring him in here. So he went and brought David from out watching the sheep. And when David came into the house, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samuel and said, this is him. Amen. Take out your flask of oil. So Samuel took out the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. He poured the oil on his head. Just uh, took the flask of oil. You know, we, we have oil here. It's, this is a smaller flask. And we normally just take it and put a little smidgen on our finger or something. Sometimes we'll put it on our hands or whatever, and we touch people on the head, anoint with oil. No, that's not what Samuel took the whole flask, <laughs> poured it on David's head. The oil came down upon his head. But David got more than oil that day. More than oil came upon his head. By faith, you can receive more than oil on your heads. Or more than just an outward show of Christianity, an outward form of godliness, more than just the forms and trappings and the rituals of a Christian tradition, you can get the power of God upon your life, like David did. Oh yeah, and you know what? Don't be surprised if you get the power of God on your life like David did. You might start acting like David did. Pray to God that you would start acting like David did. So anyway, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily. Everyone say mightily. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forwards. It wasn't a one-time shot. This was a, an anointing that came and came upon him and moved upon him and moved upon him until the day that David died. David moved under the unction of the Holy Ghost. He became a supernatural leader. He began to lead the people of Israel into a spiritual awakening. He had the, one of the greatest awakenings Israel had ever experienced under the leadership of King David. He was anointed by God to bring his people into a whole new place. Hallelujah. So anyway, he was anointed. Now, I want to give you a couple of scriptures about this oil, about this anointing. You know, we, all, we need anointing upon our life. We need fresh anointing upon our life. Yesterday's anointing is not good enough for us. Yeah, there is a mantle that comes upon us, the major download, the mother load of God's anointing on our lives. But there are anointings that come upon us again and again and again to, to renew and to revive and to freshen that anointing upon our life. It says in Psalms 92.10, but by my, my horn you've exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Everyone say fresh oil. fresh oil. 
You know, I, 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 I always tell the story of this revival meeting I had in, in Costa Rica in 1995. It was one of the scariest days of my life. I'd scheduled 12 meetings, two a day, Sunday through Friday night. And the Sunday morning service was like, was like a, the first service there was like an absolute funeral service. By, by the grace of God, he visited us during the altar ministry. Lightning struck that place, interrupted. It was a, ended up being an awesome week. But for the, for the first two hours I was there, I was shaking in my boots. Because I thought, this is going to be... This is going to be a terrible, terrible week. And I was standing here holding on, you know, for dear life. I thought, oh God, you brought me to this funeral mortuary. And I'm going to have to preach here all week long. And sitting on this huge, the pulpit bigger than this one, a flat one. And sitting on top of it, they had this gigantic vial. It was like a bowl about this high and huge, filled with oil on the, on the, on the platform. But the only problem was it stunk. <laughs> It was old. It was... <laughs> Nothing worse than old, stinky oil. We need fresh oil. We need fresh anointing. You know, I'm so grateful for what God did in 1994, and it's, I still taste the evidence of it in my life, in my belly, but I need today's fresh touch. I need a visitation today in my life. I need the Holy Ghost to come upon me today, every day of my life, to renew and make me filled with His presence. Anoint my life with fresh oil, Lord Jesus. Anoint our church with fresh oil. It says in Numbers 11, I love this, the manna was like coriander seed, describing the manna that came down from heaven. The color was like the color of bedillium. And the people went about and gathered it or ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. The taste was like the taste of fresh oil. They tasted it had the taste of fresh oil. You get up in the morning, you start feasting on the manna that comes down from heaven. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are living and sustaining ourselves on God, on God's word. We eat his word every day, and as you begin to eat his word on a consistent daily basis, and you begin to chew on it and meditate on it, you'll begin to have the taste of fresh anointing, fresh oil. It'll make you aware of the mighty presence of God in your life. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Lord, send fresh oil upon our church. So let's see how this anointing affected David. David was, he became a mighty supernatural warrior. He was, he was, and just as a teenager, we all know the Sunday school story of what happened to David. He went out and challenged the champion, Goliath, nine foot tall, a professional soldier with all the equipment of the Philistine army, with the spear and the shield and the armor and the helmet. And David went with his, his shepherd's staff, his loincloth, and his sling. And he says, you uncircumcised Philistine! What a thing to call somebody. You uncircumcised Philistine, you don't have a covenant with God. Today, God's going to deliver you into my hands. I'm going to take your head off your body and feed your body to the birds. 
And he killed that giant and it set the Philistines, routed the Philistines and changed the whole course of that war. A teenage boy, not by might, not by power. And he said, shouldn't you be surprised? After this anointing came upon me, David said, I was watching the sheep. And the, the sheep were attacked by a bear and by a lion. And I killed, I, I killed, I slew them both with my bare hands. Not natural. Something came upon it. David became one of the greatest warriors of his day. Unbelievable warrior. As a matter of fact, when he, he, became, he, he began to move, he moved into the king's palace and he was, became the king's armor bearer for a season. And he, he fell in love with King Saul's daughter and wanted to marry King Saul, Michal. He wanted to marry her, and, and King Saul was starting to become jealous of David. He started to recognize that, that the anointing was upon him, and he was going to replace him as king. And he, he said, I'm going to fix this, young kids. Yo, you want to marry my daughter? Okay. I'm going to set the dowry for you, David. I want you to go out, and I want you to bring me. I want you to go out, and I want you to circumcise a hundred Philistines. There's only one way for that to happen, I promise you. The Philistines aren't going to say, okay. No, he had to go out. He went out by himself. He killed 100 Philistines and brought the evidence of the dowry and put it at his, his future father-in-law's feet. Said, here it is. Now give me your daughter. David was fearless. They wrote songs about David. Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his ten thousands. Look what it says in Psalms 18. For by you I can run against a troop, or I can run through a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. He was talking about supernatural ability to do physical feats that are undoable. He says in, in, Psalm, in 2 Samuel 22, For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and my power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. Now here's the deal about the anointing. The anointing is not going to make you Superman. Unless God has called you to be Superman. The anointing equips you for God's purpose for your life. That's what it does. It doesn't suddenly give you superhuman strength. He, in, he enables you. He enables you to do what God has called you to do. Whether it's a businessman, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a, a preacher, whether it's whatever, whatever, whatever realm in the po political realm, whatever realm God calls you in, whatever realm He calls you in, He equips you and anoints you to do above and beyond what you have the capacity to do. You know, I am, I am convinced that beyond the grave has been the fruit of the anointing. It's been absolutely the fruit of the anointing. We have, seen, we have seen from the very first cast to the last cast, we've had people over and over again and ask me if I hired professional actors. And these are kids and adults from our church that all that's taken place is the creative gifts inside have begin, been released by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's all I can say. That's all it is. That's all it's been. And then God anoints the whole event for supernatural impact on people's lives. If you want to, do, to, be, if you want to fulfill God's purposes for your life,
If you want to fulfill God's purposes for your life. God's purposes for your life. God's purposes for your life. His purposes for your life. Dig deep into the anointing. Say, God, I've got to, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to depart from here until you put your hand on me. Touch me, God. I need the hand of God upon my life. I need a supernatural impartation. God anointed David not only as a warrior. God anointed him as a worshiper. David was a supernatural worshiper. He was a worshiper. He was a musician. And he was a songwriter. He, he has to be. He has to be the greatest songwriter in history. He has to be. You know, we're still, we still have a psalm, a psalm book written by, by him and written by his disciples, by the anointing. The anointing came upon these men, and 3,000 years later, 3,000 years later, we're still singing their, their songs. And their songs carry more power and more authority than any other songs. They are the word of God. He had the ministry of a prophet, the anointing of a singer and worshiper, and God was using him as a mighty weapon in his day. God anointed him not only to worship God, God anointed him to raise up, to raise up worshipers. He raised up a, a whole army of worshipers, of Levites, of singers, of musicians who learned to minister under the anointing. David would teach them to, to prophesy on their instruments. Their instruments, the musical notes that they played would carry the power of the anointing. They just begin to minister on this 10-string instrument, and the Holy Spirit would fill the atmosphere. Ministering under the anointing, writing songs by the prophetic anointing. He raised up an army of worshipers at the tabernacle of David. They had 24-hour worship for years and years and years. What were they doing? Ministering to the Lord. Singing to the Lord, worshiping the Lord with the choir, with the singers and the musicians, worshiping Him in the beauty of holiness. 24 hours worshiping God, worshiping God, worshiping God. The glory, the glory, the glory of the Lord was filling the mountain, Mount Zion. Oh, how beautiful Mount Zion became under the impact of the Holy Ghost, the anointing in that revival. Powerful times. Look what it says about David as a worshiper. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high. The anointed of the God of Jacob. And the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord spoke by me. And his word was on my tongue. He said, I am the sweet psalmist of Israel. God's anointed me to be the singer of Israel. The spirit of the Lord has spoken by me. His word was on my tongue. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 13. Now this is described, this is, this is so powerful. You've got, to, you've got to get a picture of this. This is one of the most incredible pictures in the Bible. This was the day that David began to see his dream come true. He wanted a place where they could pitch the, the old 
tabernacle of Moses. The tabernacle of Moses that had been in the wilderness where the, with the Ark of the Covenant, with the holiest of all, with the worship and the sacrifices, the cloud of glory. It had been in Shiloh for several hundred years and, and now they were, David was bringing it to Jerusalem. He wanted to build a temple for, for God's house. The, the tabernacle of Moses had fallen into disrepair, so he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem with the intention of building the temple of God. And as they brought this Ark of the Covenant into Israel, look what look into Jerusalem. So it was, when those bearing the Ark of the Lord had gone six paces. One, two, three, four, five, six. So they came down the streets of Jerusalem for, for miles. Every six paces they would stop and they'd sacrifice oxen and fatted sheep every six steps. Why such a radical display? Because of the radical display that they were, they were emanating. They were talking about another radical display that was going to take place when God himself would become one of us and shed his blood on the streets of Jerusalem for the sins of mankind. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The reason he shed his blood is so we could step in to the life of God, step into the presence of the Holy Spirit, step into the atmosphere of heaven and enjoy God forevermore. David was touching the edge of it. It was the blood and the anointing, the blood and the anointing, the blood and worship and the anointing. He's all about that. So it was when they bore the ark of the Lord, they'd gone six paces, they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And then David danced King David, the king of Israel. King David danced before the Lord with all his might. I don't even know what that looks like. What does it look like to, to dance with all your might? With all your might. That means you leave, they talk about leaving it all out on the field. David left it all out on the dance floor. He danced with all his might. With all his might. Matter of fact, his wife got so upset with him, he said, you were so undignified. You humiliated yourself before the women of Israel today. You were dancing. They saw your underpants. You were dancing so high. And he said to her, he said, I'll even become more vile than that, he said. He danced before the Lord with all his might. David was wearing a linen ephod. He lifted up and showed his drawers as he danced with all his might. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord. They brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. There is an anointing that's connected to worship. There's an anointing that's connected to worship. It's in that place of extended worship, in that place of deep worship where God begins to reveal himself, where his anointing will increase and get stronger and deeper upon your life. His anointing will get upon you and begin to, full, he'll begin to equip you. First, he begins to heal you. He begins to deliver you from your stuff. Begins to deliver you from your past, deliver you from your shame, deliver you from your hurts, heal, heal, your, heal your body and your broken soul. And then he begins to equip you with his power, his abilities, 
his power, his abilities to do the things he's called you to do. It's in that place of worship where we meet with God. Yeah, and you know what? The first thing that churches begin to do when we go into an apathetic season in the body of Christ. Well, let's shorten the worship service. The people don't want to worship so long. Let's back off a little bit. Before you know it, it goes back and back and back till they're bragging. They can get their, the Protestants are bragging. The Protestants are bragging. They can get their services in in, in 54 minutes or whatever the number is now. You're never, you're never going to have the anointing. You'll have an outward form of godliness. You'll have a show of godliness. You won't have the real thing. You've got to press in, my friend. You've got to press in. You've got to press in. As David did. Oh, as David did. Shamasteke. As David did. Yeah, and it also, this is one of the great, great psalms of David. Psalm 24. One of the most famous lines that God ever gave him. One thing, he said. One thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek. You know, this one thing, before, before, before the visitation, we, we're, we're people of many things. We have a whole list for God. But when God comes down and you taste this powerful, unseen friend, and he begins to consume you, you start to, your, your list begins to shrink. Your list becomes insignificant and irrelevant, and you start singing the song of the redeemed. One thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. What is that one thing? That I might dwell in the house of the Lord, that I might go to church. That I might get in the house of God, in that crazy church where they worship. Uh, that I get under the anointing. That I could dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why would I want to worship? Behold the glory. Behold the beauty of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord. David said, I tasted this beauty for the first time when Samuel poured that oil on my head. Beauty hit me in the face. I saw it. I began to worship and sing and the glory would come. How beautiful, how beautiful his presence. But when we come together, when the Levites start to dance, when the Levites start to sing, when the trumpet blast starts to blast, when the guitars begin to play and they begin to worship God with all their heart and all their soul, the beauty of the Lord comes down. Oh, and I'm undone. One thing if I desired of the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Yeah, this, this touch of God, this touch of God puts inside of us a love for God's house. A love for the house of God. A love for the house of God that embraces, yeah, the tabernacle of David. The place of God's unveiled glory. The place where the veil's gone and the Shekinah's there. And we're worshiping him in the power of his presence. The power of his presence. The power of his presence. Oh, Simante Makase. I think my glasses are fogging up. I don't know what that is. It's like a, whoa. <laughs> the spirit of prophecy. David talked about prophesying on his instrument, prophesying on the harps. His men, 1 Chronicles 25, 1. The captains of the army. 
and sons of Asaph and Heman, they would prophesy with on their harps and stringed instruments and cymbals. The harps, the stringed instruments and cymbals, they were the number of the skilled men performing their service. starts listing how many. There was a whole list of them. They were prophesying. They, they had come under the anointing that was upon David. And they were ministering under this anointing. There is a spirit of prophecy, my friends. There is a spirit of prophecy that now is available to all of us. The spirit of God has been poured out on all flesh. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he might interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I'll pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Paul is talking about that, that, that spirit of prophecy, the prophetic anointing. Stepping under the prophetic anointing. Getting in that place, and you, you press into God. Whether it's corporately or privately, you're singing in the spirit. You're singing in the spirit. You start singing in your natural language. Singing in the spirit. Singing in your natural language. And, and there begins to be a, a deeper awareness of the things of God. You find yourself, when you start praying in, in your natural language, scripture starts coming up to you. You start praying scriptures, and the word of the Lord begins to speak to you. Wow. God speaks to you. He speaks to you personally. He speaks to you powerfully. The spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The reality of Jesus in your life is prophetic. The reality of Jesus in your life begins to speak to you about the things of God, the things that he's doing right now, the things that he's about to do. The spirit of prophecy. You start stepping into that realm of prayer and intercession. The spirit of prophecy. Jesus begins to walk into the room. He begins to walk in the midst of the seven candlesticks. He begins to walk in his church. He begins to reveal himself. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy, son of man. God wants to stir up the spirit of prophecy in your life. Yeah, yeah. You know, Oral Roberts used to talk about praying in the spirit a lot. He talked about praying in, in, his, in the spirit in his private time as a, as a preacher. And he, he said he would pray in the spirit and then pray in English. He'd pray, and, and the way he viewed it, he was interpreting his prayer language back to himself. That's, what he would, he, he, that's the way he prayed all the time. That's what he used to talk about, praying in the spirit, then praying in his prayer language. Praying in the spirit, or praying in the natural language, praying in tongues and praying in the natural language, praying in tongues, praying in the natural language. And then, um, you know, what happens when that happens? You start begin to hear from God. God begins to speak to you. He begins to direct you. He begins to do things in your life. Amen. I want to read this one last passage about the corporate anointing. David and the corporate anointing. It says... Um, Oh, this is one of this, this is a beautiful psalm. You should go read this whole psalm later today. Psalm 45, Psalm of Asaph. I think it was Asaph. The corporate anointing. You know, see, this anointing that was on David began to influence all these people that he assembled around him, the Levites and the singers, the worshipers, these people that were ministering in the tabernacle of, of David. They begin to experience that anointing that was upon David, and they begin to step into this supernatural enabling. Look what it says. This guy, this other guy, this other songwriter that was ministering there, he says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. He's describing the anointing. 
This is what happens when you get under the anointing. Your heart begins to bubble up. It begins to bubble over. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Your anointing for God's purposes in your life, listen carefully to this. Your anointing for God's purposes in your life is connected to the house of God. Your anointing for God's purposes in your life is connected to the house of God. It's connected to the local church. We're a body. We're members of that body. God anoints us corporately, and we flow corporately. This guy was a songwriter and a worship leader because of his connection to what God was doing. God has a purpose for you. And who knows, you know, I mean, he's, he'll speak to you about what it is, but your anointing and your expertise and your effectiveness is directly connected to your relationship to your local church. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at victoryfellowship.net for service times and locations.